0: This is Take a Second, a weekly Come, Follow Me podcast that focuses on finding the Savior in the Old Testament, and then how we might teach it in family or ward settings. I'm Brian Ricks, and Stuart Black is joining me to make sure that we stay on the rails. We are recording the podcast from the student lounge at the Pocatello Institute. So thanks for joining us for our lunchtime discussion of this week's Come, Follow Me Scripture Block. Um, Welcome back, everybody, to Take a Second. Uh, We're glad that you're taking a second with us. To go through uh, Isaiah 40 through 49. Now our third, our third journey into mm-hmm. Isaiah. Yeah. Week three. Um, I got all excited and I was studying about Hezekiah. Mm-hmm. Super excited, and then I and then jumped in to see how far we should be going, and realized that's not these. Yeah, 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 yeah. we did Hezekiah in Second Kings, and know. we don't get to do them again, which is too bad because it's one of my favorite. I love the Hezekiah snack rib, Rob Shaka, Just the names are awesome. <laughs> Um so then had to hurry back and, and then dove into the forties and and found a couple of themes and some things to get excited about. But Good. but yeah, I was a little bummed about it. Happen to leave Hezekiah yeah. behind. No. Well and that's good. I think we mentioned this one of the first weeks that
1: there's just no way that you could <laughs> that you could do the old testament like and go through every chapter, every verse, and, and even you know on these on these podcasts or if you're teaching Sunday school or uh, seminary or if you're teaching your family at home, like you really don't have the time to just sit through and like dig through everything the way that Isaiah writes. Like you get a bit this
0: time and a bit next time and, and that's the beauty of the scriptures is that that's how it works yeah I as a teacher as a young teacher um, one of the most important things I think that anybody ever taught to me especially with regards to the Old Testament is it's not your job to teach them everything this time through they're yeah. gonna go through it four years every four years they're gonna go through <laughs> yeah. this and so yeah. pick what's the most important find the theme and I've and, and it seems like every time you go through it there's a little different theme that jumps out at yeah. you and, and you see something with a fresh set of eyes or you know you catch something that you missed last time yep. so and and it's because your life is changing yeah you know i, I remember president packer telling
1: a story about he had read the book of mormon countless of times you know and and he had always read this one verse a certain way and uh, i think something had changed he'd become a father or a, he was a different leadership position in the church or something and he said the verse took on a whole new meaning yeah. because his life
0: had changed from the last time he had read that yeah. verse yep yeah, so if I'm t- I guess from the perspective of a teacher, if I'm gonna pass on what was given to me and I was so grateful for like don't stress about teaching everything in Isaiah. Find a theme. Okay, you know if you're if you're teaching this in a in a seminary class or a gospel doctrine, especially a gospel doctrine class where you have one 50-minute attempt, like that's it. Yes yeah. find one theme that really jumps out at you and and go with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so and, and in these chapters, I, I think that was
1: that was one of the things I did. I. Uh there's two ways to find that theme, find the ch- theme in the chapter or say, here's a verse where it's the theme and a verse in the theme. And, yeah. and it, that's a great teaching skill, Brian, that you bring up that that you can do that in chapter 40 and, and you could even just write down verses on the board or something and say, okay, chapter 40, verse one, look for what the Lord promises. Okay, chapter 41, verse seven. Okay, what's he promise here? What's he promise here? What's he promise here? What are these names and titles? And what are these names mm-hmm. and titles? And those are some of the things that, that stuck out to me this time. And um, in, this, in the chapter heading, it says it says it a few different times here, um, but the phrase is Isaiah speaks messianically, mm-hmm. and, and I, I love that idea, and it, it, uh, I had read somewhere that the, the first few chapters of Isaiah are Isaiah prophesying, and it's the condemnation because they're not doing well, and so it's condemnation, and then the middle chapters were about, like, kind of desolation, and now you're getting to the part where it's consolation. Yeah. And so when Isaiah is speaking messianically, the idea is comfort. How are you finding comfort for yourself? And, and even just as a quick little way to start, people have comfort shows, like TV shows, uh-huh. comfort, comfort foods, foods totally. comfort places. Yep. There's there a place, and I can't tell anybody because I don't want them to go fish there, but there's a place I love to fish. <laughs> and I just think about it, or every time I'm there, and it just, it's like one of those places you feel like you've named all the rocks because you've been there so mm-hmm. much. And you just, it's a comfortable place. I've been going there my whole life. And there are certain things that are like that. And that idea now where you could just give a couple of those as kind of an attention grabber in your class and then say, why today, as we're talking about the Savior, why is it the Savior is so comforting to you? Yeah. And then have them take a couple opportunities to prophesy or to testify of, of those things. Yeah. And so just in in, in starting here, verse uh, verse 1 and, and verse 2, um, Comfort ye, comfort ye my people, saith your, your God. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem, and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned. For she hath received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. I... I didn't know what the last part of that. I, I, I thought it, this sounded like justice uh-huh. coming their way where it says they've received the Lord's hand double, double for all your sins. Like whatever you sin, God's given you back, back too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and I, I studied something. And, and those of you who are watching this on, on the video part are going to be able to see this. Um, but it means this, that to double something, one way to view it is to fold it in half. So now if this half was your sins and this half is the Lord, he's covering it up. He's covered it. That's the double. So now your paper my paper has doubled, right? And so when you double something over, you're folding it in half and you're covering it in some way. And and I when I oh. when I read that I, I thought that um, I just I wrote this in my scriptures, folded in half, with the first side perfectly corresponding with the other. That the Lord's the Lord's atonement, our Savior's grace, literally covers us perfectly. And and I'm not great at folding, so maybe that didn't do that <laughs> the right way, but th- that's the object lesson that Isaiah is trying to say is that it it is there is so much consolation that whatever you've done wrong, he is literally covering your covering it perfectly. Not that you're getting twice as much because you've done wrong, but he is taking care of you. And to me, that's comforting that whatever I've done, whatever size my piece of paper is, you could do this with a small piece of paper, you could do it with a big piece of paper. But in every case, he covers us perfectly. That's awesome.
0: That's so I I I was fascinated with chapter 40. you mentioned the desolation portion, and and earlier you yeah. get the the chapter right before this, Hezekiah has he's shown, but he's he's invited Babylon into his house. And, and I don't mean Hezekiah's whisk. house. Yeah. I mean the, he's invited him into the Lord's house, and he's showing him around, and and giving you know, giving Babylon kind of this pre-tour of what they're going to eventually come and take. Yeah, they're going to take everything from this. A hundred years later. Yep. Yeah, and and who knows if this is kind of the first act of of you know, kind of. What do you call it? Casing the casing the temple? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to lay it out and figure out what like they want. Like Home Alone, where they yeah, pretend exactly. to be the cop at the beginning. <laughs> yep. um, but he does that, and 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 then eventually you get the you get Babylon who comes and conquers Israel, and and ultimately the reason Israel is conquered is because they didn't keep the commandments. They didn't they didn't stick with their covenants. And so now verse chapter 40, Isaiah could, you know, again, again it's so interesting because Isaiah lives through Assyria, prophetically sees Babylon, and now he's talking to a, at least with the eyes of the Spirit, this post-Babylon Israel. Yeah. And he could say to them, you got exactly what you deserved. And instead, the very first words out of his mouth are comfort and, and, and him telling the people, this is what the Lord has said to me the Lord is telling me to speak comfortably. Uh, The modern King James Version says, speak lovingly to the heart of Jerusalem. And the International Standard Version says, speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her heavy service has been completed. Like, you did it. You're there. And now I'm going to come in, and I I love the idea of comfort. I, I also was thinking about, what are the comfort things in my life? Like, what are my and and I am a huge food person. Like, I'm a stress eater. I'm I, I'm a stress eater and I'm also a relaxed eater. I pretty much eat anytime I can. Um, but I've I've wondered what it takes because some people it seems like there are people who have who have figured out how to be comforted by the Lord. Uh, and I look at it, is it was it the end of forty. Uh, that very last verse, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength; they shall mount up with the wings with wings as angels, as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not be faint. And I thought about like, it. Seems like some people have figured out how to wait on the Lord, and others. I don't know that we have. I don't know that I have perfectly figured out how to wait on the Lord. I think, and, and I've and to me the theme that jumped out for these uh, uh, all the way through these chapters today have be, has been this idea of the lord taking groups of people and saying there are those that wait on me and there are those who build their own idols and this is the, and those that build their own idols they're going to be ashamed they're going to be embarrassed that that comes up over and over and over again and then, but those that wait on me, those that serve me, and he and he gives us all these reasons throughout all these chapters, all these reasons that we should uh, that we should wait on him and 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 trust him. in forty one, he says, "I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness." That's in verse ten, verse thirteen, he says, I, the Lord God, will hold thy right hand, saying unto thee, "Fear not; I will help thee." And then I had to spend some time with the very next verse. He says, "Fear not, thou worm Jacob." Uh, that's kind of crit- That's kind of harsh. <laughs> like, I mean, I, I get that we don't merit anything of our own, but. <laughs> On. Say you live in the dirt as a worm. Let's be nice. Yeah. And so I looked at it and I, I was fascinated. And I i am not a scholar by any means, but it's fun having the tools that, yeah. that are available a lot today. Of resources. And, uh, and according to the Strongs Concordance, the word that this word, the Hebrew word that this word worm comes from, is used 43 times in the Old Testament. 34 of those, it's translated to a color. Yep, red because okay. yeah because that's the color that this particular worm or a maggot they would crush it and create a red dye so 34 times it's used as scarlet excuse me one time it's used as crimson in the book of Isaiah Isaiah uses that in the great verse at the end right at, well chapter 1 verse 18 oh, when he says yes. even though your skins be red as scarlet it's the same word yeah. In it's the same old Hebrew word where he says, Thou worm Jacob. It's this it, to me it's this recollection, this this tying us back to like you're limited by your mortality. The great weakness, the weakness in Ether twelve, is not that I'm slow of speech or that I'm young or that I have bad hairline. The weak the weakness that we all have is mortality. It's the fallen man. And so here I I don't think he's trying to knock jacob but just to remind him you're fallen and then he, and then there's this great verses 15 and 16 i will make thee a new sh- a new sharp threshing instrument having teeth so you're going from this worm a toothless worm mm-hmm. and i will make you a sharp threshing instrument having teeth thou shalt thresh the mountains and beat them small and shalt make the hills as chaff thou shalt fan them and the wind shall carry them away and the whirlwind shall scatter them and thou shalt rejoice in the Lord and I just I love the fact I love this this connection even though you're a worm and you're used to only being able to you know you dwell in the dirt and you stay there I'm going to turn you into something that will destroy rocks if you wait on me yeah.
1: I, I love that, too. And, and just you read 31 in the previous chapter, but even the ones just right uh, above that, I wanted to connect a couple of ideas that, that I had there. In 28, he says, hast thou not known? Remember, he's speaking messianically. He's, he's saying, like, don't you know that who we're talking about, the person who can make you be a worm and now have teeth, the person who's going to give you all this strength? He says, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, he fainteth not? neither is weary. He doesn't get tired. There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint and to them that have no might. He increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary. And those of us now, as you're getting a little bit older, we played basketball with some of the students here yesterday and <laughs> you learned pretty much. Like, I can't run like that anymore. And he says, even the youth faint and be weary and the young man shall utterly fall, except for the Lord. Yep. He doesn't. He, he doesn't get he doesn't get tired ever. Um, one of the titles that, and one of the things that come following me this week that said uh, uh, towards the end was, "What are some of the names and titles of Christ?" And this was one of the verses that they had you look at was Creator, and and I thought it, it reminded me of a story from uh, Boyd K. Packer. He told it at a, a in BYU. You can look it up online. BYU speeches, February 2003. Um, but he told the story of uh, he loved to carve birds. And you can look up some of the images of President Packer. He said he'd he'd measure them and he'd take time and he'd measure the settings and he'd carve the settings and he'd do the feathers and and they're just beautiful. And he said, sometimes he'd get like kind of uptight or anxious about something. His wife would be like, go carve some birds, go calm down a little bit. And he's driving into town one day with his friend, Elder uh, Theodore Tuttle, Tuttle. and the yep. Elder Tuttle is driving. And in the intersection, Elder Tuttle slams on the brakes and one of these carvings that was in the back seat, they were taking to go show somebody and it tumbled onto the ground, broke into a bunch of pieces. And Elder Tuttle, um, it, it says this, so quote, he pulled over to the side and looked at it. He was devastated. I was not. Without thinking, I said, forget it. I made it, I can fix it, and I did i made it stronger than it was i improved it a bit and then he goes on to this he just instantly president packer switches gears and says now who made you who is your creator there is not anything about your life that gets bent or broken that he cannot fix and will fix you have to decide and when isaiah is using i mean creators capitalized here in verse 28 he is talking about the savior he says who's your creator it's him who he doesn't get he doesn't get tired of us. He doesn't get tired of our weakness. He doesn't get tired of helping us. He doesn't get tired when we're, when we're weak. But he's always working where we're at. There's, there's other titles in here where it calls him the Holy One of Israel. Mm-hmm. And he's the one when you're talking about the rest of Israel, all of Israel messes up. Except for the Holy One. He is the one of Israel who is perfect. He is the one of Israel who always has strength he is identified as the first and the last. And I was thinking about this my whole life, just, okay, first and last, well, he's the first, and then he's gonna come at the second coming. And I'm trying to think of it like kind of bigger picture. And my wife just says to me the other day, um, she's like, well, he's the first and last because he's the only one. And I was like, oh, yeah. (laughs) And it's like, I had overlooked this verse my whole life. And she just said, he's the first and last because there's only one. It's there's nobody else. There's no other options. It's only him who gives power with him. It has to. And that's why it's Mm -hmm. comforting. There's no other place or source that you need to go. Once you found the Savior and you found his gospel, you're there. That is comforting. Listen up, Israel. The rest of Israel is bad.
0: They're worms. But he's not. Yeah, he has the strength. And it's and and it's that that connection, this reminder of I don't ever get faint, even the youth faint later on in forty four that to me was one of the themes that jumped out of this was, you have this choice between the creator of all things or mortals who are the creator of some things yeah and he in forty four he points out this he's he's really hitting hard this this idea of the images uh, the false images verse eight he says, is there, a, is there a God beside me? Yea, there is no God. I know not any. They that make a graven image are all of them vanity, and their delectable things shall not profit, and they are their own witnesses. They see not nor know that they may be ashamed. Then he goes on and says, uh, with regards to the, the smith with the tongs in verse 12, Both worketh in the coals, and fashion it with hammers, and worketh it, with the strength of his arms. And then it says, but he's 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 hungry, he gets hungry. And when you get hungry, you get weak or you get a little anxious or, and so- Angry. The the <laughs> creations of their hands when they're angry, when they're angry, they're not gonna be as great yeah. because he's weak or his strength faileth, or he, he gets thirsty. It says he drinketh water or he's faint. And so we have this choice to worship the creator of all things, later on in, in the same verse it's gonna talk about he heweth him down the cedars and taketh the cypress and the oak, which strengtheneth for himself. And and you can hear God going, Yeah, but who made the oaks? Who made the the The, the, cedars? the original miracle. Yeah. yeah, and then he reminds him at the very end, yeah, he made, that's a beautiful ash tree, but the rain is what made it grow. Mm-hmm. And I, if I were if I were teaching this with a group of, especially if I had like a, a fourth hour uh, seminary class or if I had an institute class or a gospel doctor class that had a lot of a lot of young men in it a lot of or or young men or young women that really like sports I would see if I could find like who's what's the greatest what's the greatest mismatch you can think of in football what would be the worst matchup what would be the worst matchup in professional baseball you know, or you know, who's the one here at ISU? Who's the one football team you don't want to see on your schedule if you're ISU? Mm-hmm. And and just talk about this mismatch because, to me, I see throughout all of these chapters, Isaiah is setting up this contest. He he says, "Look, these are your choices. These are the teams. And who are you going to? you know, Now, which team are you going to be on?" Mm-hmm. I I think that was one of the.
1: One of the things that we had even brought up last week as well is that it's all decided. Mm-hmm. It's already been established, like at figure out where you are going to be and, and in terms of you finding the savior in, in that way and knowing that he, he's got your back yeah. and and he'll always be there for you in, in all of those regards. And I love that. And that's that parallelism that tons of these Hebrew writers used was, let me show you that th- there's one way. And let me show you all the other ways that it's not going to work because this is the one way. And and that was the way that they were uh, trying to teach or reinforce that idea. I, uh, I, w- I wanted to share just one other thing here in, in 40, um, in, in verses 3, 4, uh, really 3 and 4, but kind of 5 as well. Um, these verses are quoted a couple of times in the New Testament in Matthew and in Luke and, and maybe a couple other places as well. I think in Mark, but they're often used in reference to John the Baptist. Mm-hmm. And the, the verse says, and this is chapter 40, verse three, the voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted and every mountain and hill shall be made low and the crooked shall be made straight and the rough places plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. And those are, J- John is, he's the great smoother or the great preparer. So he is preparing. He says, if you have a mountain in your path that there's, here's you, mountain, Jesus, John says, get the mountain out of the way. If there's a valley, the Lord says, fill it up. Get like, make it smooth. If it's windy, straighten it out. If it's like all of those things, he says, it has to be straight. And, and I you know, in, in terms of, again, a teaching idea, I, I would just say obstacles have to be removed. So you could do something where you set a couple obstacles out in the front of their classroom as they're coming into class right at the beginning. Say, what'd you have to do to get in? Or, uh, you know, teaching this to little kids, uh, like with my kids, uh, I have a plan that I'm like, all right, my little guy loves cars and and trucks and stuff like that. So I'm gonna just set up a little obstacle course and have one that has to go through the obstacle course and one that's straight and says, which one's faster? If you're really trying to get there, what do you have to do? Well, I got to get the obstacles out of the way. Okay, what are our obstacles? And then relate that to us. And and uh, I I just think that whatever's wrong with our road or our heart, it needs to be straightened out. Um, I I I I wrote this down, and so I wouldn't say it the wrong way, but I said not every road. Speaking of individuals, not every road is the same, until it is. All of us are. are some people have mountains and some people have valleys and some people are crooked and some people are are uh, rough but all those roads are then fixed it's once the road is straight now all of us have the same road once we find the Savior Mm -hmm. and I love that idea that the road to the Savior is straight and narrow we're just the ones that at certain times in our lives have to figure out how do I get rid of the mountain or how do I fill up my valley or how do I be a little less rough or a little bit more straight in my course. And, and I love that idea then of that's how you find the Savior. Who's giving you the strength to move mountains and fill up your valleys? Well, that's what the rest of this is for. You're not doing it on your own. That's not the expectation. The expectation is you make your way straight and God will help
0: you do it. Yeah. I love that. I, and, it, and, it's, and then it's set up with... The rest of these chapters is all about how are you going to make those roads straight? Are you going to trust... The, the, the flesh? Are you going to trust the, the arm of man that gets weak and has moments where it's strong and moments where it's not? Or are you going to take, are you going to lean on the creator of us all and uh, and who we lean on? Uh, I love that idea of, I, there's so many things in our lives that can either propel us towards Christ that, that can be straightening. I mean, we can I, take Instagram, for example, or any of the social media accounts or platforms, those things can be obstacle removers or they can be the obstacle yes uh, and it, it'd be fascinating to have a conversation with uh, young adults today or, or you know teenagers any of that that 12 to that that age that's into social media that meet mi- you know mid-20s and just say in what ways is it an obstacle and in what ways is it a is it a, is it a, is it a propellant? propeller yeah and uh, and what is it for you and what do you you know what do you have to do? How how are you going to get a John the Baptist experience to flatten that out, or or to straighten it out if it's if it's a, a curvy road? That's awesome. Great great insight. Um, well, I, I think that's about our time. And uh, I don't know. If there's I, I. I maybe one. You one got one final thought? Sure, One other thing. Sure? thing. Fort, Forty two
1: eleven. Um, and it's just a phrase. This is one of those things where it's like you could find the find the uh, the thread that connects a bunch of things, but it says this again in the chapter writing, Isaiah speaks messianically. This is about Jesus. Let the wilderness and the cities thereof lift up their voice. The villages that Kadar doth inhabit, let the inhabitants of the rock sing. Let them shout from the top of the mountains. And I, I just marked in my scriptures, let the inhabitants of the rock sing, that the Lord is our rock. So be an inhabitant, make that your village, make that your place. All these other cities are going to fall apart but sing out in your praise of the Lord that you're like, this is where I am. I will always dwell with the Lord. I will make sure that I see him in my straight and narrow path. I'll make sure that the mountains and the valleys are removed and filled up. And I will always, always, always be where the savior is. And Isaiah is that type of testimony, where he says, I I will be where Jesus is. And sometimes that means there's some things I got to correct. And sometimes that means that he is just helping me along in my path, but I will always be an inhabitant of the rock. That is
0: my village, that is my place because God is my rock. Love it. The villages that Kadar doth inhabit. Sounds like something from Lord of the Rings. <laughs> <I love laughs> Little it. Earth. I'm glad we uh, that's a great, that's a great place to end. Thanks for joining us. Uh, and we will see you, we'll see you next week. For another week of Isaiah. One, thanks again for joining us on Take a Second for Come Follow Me. Brother Black and myself want to emphasize that. In this episode or any other episode, there's nothing that we've said that is meant to or can in any way be interpreted as the official doctrine or policy or practice of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Uh, Brother Black and myself simply represent two guys that enjoy talking about scripture and and on our own life experiences as it relates to the gospel of Jesus Christ and, and hope that in sharing some of our thoughts and, his, and insights but certainly our personal opinions and nothing more that uh, maybe it might open up the scriptures a little bit to you. So thanks again for joining us on Take a Second and we will see you in our next episode.